Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I'm joined in the studio by Father Stephen Dominic Hayes. Let's begin with a prayer to Our Lady. Hail Mary, full full of of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Patrick, pray for us. us. Today we're going to speak a little bit about the motu proprio of Pope Francis, on the um, on the use of the uh, the extraordinary form of the Roman rite, the Latin Mass, but perhaps taken in a little bit different direction. Um, Father Hayes has pointed out with some energy <laughs> <laughs> that this reminds him that even the liturgy of Paul VI, uh, which is described in the documents of the Second Vatican Council, um, has not itself been been fully and properly Im- implemented, at least in this country. If I can explain my problem. You know, th- I mean, we seem to be having, now the, the Pope's motu propria has caused a lot of agita in different places. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, and I'm all in favor, of course. He's the Holy Father. He's in charge of the Church. And I think the great thing he did that was good was restored uh, control of the liturgy to the local bishops right. in a way that they didn't have it before. But what gets me, if you wish, mm-hmm. is the uh, the way that in so many sources out there, there seems to be a dichotomy made between the uh, so-called Novus Ordo or Missal of Paul VI, uh, Paul VI and the so-called Tridentine Mass, which some people insist on calling the Latin liturgy. And as I said, this is, to my mind, a problem uh, because the, because the language of the present liturgy, the official text of the so-called Novus Ordo, is Latin. Right. It's the- Latin. And you know, my problem is we talk about this as if you, you only can have vernacular liturgy or lat, totally Latin liturgy or Latin, totally Latin liturgy with you know, extra readings. But if you actually look at what the council document said, you know, we have – uh, a call to remain, to, for Latin to remain a liturgical language in the current contemporary church. Right. In, you know? uh, in Sacrosanctum Concilium, which is the divine constitution on the sacred liturgy of the Second Vatican Council, one of the principal documents of Vatican II, uh, paragraph 36, we read, Particular law remaining in force, the use of the Latin language is to be preserved in the Latin rites. Um, and then it goes on to say, but since the use of the mother tongue, in this the case meaning the vernacular, um, whether in the mass or the administration of the sacraments or other parts of the liturgy, frequently may be of great advantage to the people, the limits of its employment may be extended, meaning we could use the vernacular um, in more places in the liturgy. This will apply in the first place to the readings and directives, directives meaning like um, – Please bow your heads for the blessing. Right, yeah. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Offerte vovis pacem. And to some of the prayers and chants, according to the regulations on this matter, to be laid down se- separately in subsequent uh, chapters. So 
It's actually saying that, if you think about it, um, the extraordinary form of the Roman Rite is all in Latin, but it does have the readings are given in the vernacular and the homily is given in the vernacular. On a practical so, basis, right. Yeah, so, so this is saying that even in the liturgy of Vatican II, um, the, the Latin language is to be preserved. You know, and yet, and still you would still, of course, have the, the, uh, the readings, the directives, and, and the homily. And it goes on to say later, uh, the prayer of the faithful, which is part of our, the Novus Ordo, um, and some of the prayers and chants could be in the vernacular. But, but you could essentially still have, uh, you know, a lot of, you could still have Latin, you know, in, in, in the Novus Ordo. And you, well, could, could have is putting it gently, Father. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is uh, the—we uh, have—pastors uh, should assure, ensure, it says, that the faithful may also be able to say or sing together in Latin those parts of the ordinary which of the Mass which pertain to them. You know, that is—that's um, everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all the responses, you know. Right, and it's doable. I mean, I think you know, you don't have to teach a whole the con- everybody a course in Latin. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I can use examples from contemporary speech, if I say muchas gracias to somebody, even if they don't speak Spanish, it, this in our culture, everybody knows that what I mean is the same way that I say merci, even if they don't speak French. Mm-hmm. You know, these little bits and pieces of things can mm-hmm. be used uh, without having to know the grammar of the language, or to compose mm-hmm. sentences in it. Nobody's asking anybody to compose. But when I was a kid, I remember before the council, we had what we called in the Boston Archdiocese the Dialogue Mass, mm-hmm. which was where the priest you know, said the versicle and the whole congregation came back with the responses. Everybody Mm-hmm. That was in, that was the new hot thing back in the nineteen you know the early, late fifties and early sixties you know <laughs> right. in my grandmother's time you know it would be the server and the and the priest having a monologue at the altar while everybody else was doing their rosaries or even sometimes the stations of the cross as I recall mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a it's a different approach to it it's certainly a much more integral approach in the in the Missal of Paul the sixth and liturgy of Attica too but as I said I don't think we've implemented. All these things that we were mm-hmm. asked to implement, right? You know, there should be um, um, one of the things that that the uh, the council says we should know is that they should be people should be able to recite the Our Father and the Creed in Latin. Now, I think the Our Father we can do that at St. Pat's. I'm not because I think St. Pat's has actually done a a a decent job in beginning these things, mm-hmm. but I don't think we could probably you know, people would be able to sing the Creed. Right. At this point. Right. But that's what the council is saying. I mean, this is half a century. These things have been in effect, and they're still not managed yet. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, so you said it's not, it's not an either-or. It's not either the liturgy is completely in Latin or it's completely in the vernacular. Yeah. You know, the, the idea of even of the Second Vatican Council would be that you would still have Latin as, as part of the liturgy. At right. Least. But, but there's also more than just a question of Latin in mm-hmm. terms of the implementation of these documents. For instance, you find a difficulty in uh, the musical tradition. For instance, I would say 85% of the parishes I visit you know, in my life as a preacher on the road, mm-hmm. we have the same kind of s- structure of four hymns mm-hmm. that you know, for the for the entrance, the offertory, the communion, 
and the and the recessional. Mm-hmm. And this is the for him format that was developed for the trid- modification of the Tridentine Mass to uh, to vernacular. I, re- I remember when this kind of stuff came in, mm-hmm. but we have not, in fact, implemented. The, the stuff that the council actually says we should. For instance, psalmody is supposed to be the music par excellence of the Roman rite. Mm-hmm. Hymns are more common in the Eastern rites. Mm-hmm. And hymns mean something different than the metrical poetic compositions that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the hymns in, say, the Byzantine rite are highly theological mm-hmm. and are like, one verse, uh, mm-hmm. you are truly. It is truly right to call you blessed, O Theotokos, for, it is, for you are you are blessed and blameless, and the mother of our God, higher in honor than the cherubim, more glorious than the seraphim. You are truly, um, you know, a truly mother of God. You, you know, you do you exalt. I mean, they're yeah, very that, specific. That could be right out of the Council of Nicaea, pretty much. Right, exactly. And yeah, this is where people oftentimes to to show their theological knowledge, people will quote in the Eastern Rites, the hymns. Mm-hmm. We can't do that with ours because our hymns are frequently bad, mm-hmm. and some of them are actually, um, you know, <laughs> heretical. <laughs> I mean, if you want to listen to the Committee on Doctrine, you know, I mean, uh, they came out with an with a guide, a set of guidelines. This is the U.S. bishops document. The U.S. bishops, you know, an aid for it. A Catholic hymnody at the service of the church and aid for evaluating hymn lyrics. <laughs> they have like ten categories, and they name names, you know, <laughs> of which hymns are are deficient in things like presentation of the Eucharistic doctrine. You know, mm-hmm. um, God is here; we are His people now in this banquet. We have um, hymns and deficiency in the presentation of Trinitarian doctrine. The relation, deficiencies in the doctrine of God in relationship to humans, hymns which see the church as a fundamentally human construction, mm-hmm. hymns with, with a doctrinally incorrect views of the Jewish people, uh, you know, hymns with uh, incorrect you know, Christian anthropology and so forth, mm-hmm. you know, and where, where people are singing these week after right. week. Right, you and know. you contrast those with some of the Eastern Rite hymns, which are which are solidly theological, you know. Right, and also I would say completely memorized. Hmm. You know, when you when you in the Eastern liturgy, people don't use worship aids, mm-hmm. you know, right. because they've got their parts memorized and they mm-hmm. sing them to death every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, practically, there are some there are some changes in the in the when the seasons change, as just as they were in the Latin Rite. But you know, you know, I I just think we could do more than we are doing with this. You're listening to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm joined in the studio by Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and we've been discussing um, issues that have arisen. Uh, uh, from the motu proprio, not directly about the use of the extraordinary form of the Roman rite, but just how that reminds us of how perhaps in some ways, at least in the U.S. and in, in the Latin rite, we haven't fully implemented even some of the uh, the the, uh, the constitution on the liturgy of the of Vatican II. And we've been talking about um, not just the use of Latin, uh, which even in the Vatican II uh, Sacred Constitution on the Liturgy, or the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy, um, 
you know, Latin is to remain um, part of the part of the liturgy, and and also even the U.S. bishops very recently have have commented on some difficulties with some hymns and and, and clear directives for how hymns uh, should be should be used and how even in in uh, <clears throat> You know, uh, the kind of hymns that we use are not the only way, you know, to incorporate music into the, in, into the Mass. Um, in the Eastern Rite, they have very theological antiphons that are memorized by the people, sometimes to a beautiful harmony. Um, but we can also, as you were saying, Father Hayes, a little earlier, use the Psalms, and we can use the, the antiphons of, of the Mass, the entrance antiphon, the, the communion antiphon, uh, and, and so on. And so perhaps these are ways in which we can um, uh, recover um, or, 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 or approach, the, approach the liturgy, in fact, in the way that, that we were asked to, even in the Second Vatican Council. Um, Sacrum, Sacrosanctum Concilium number 116, for instance, says, Pride of place is to be given to, by, by, to Gregorian chant, other things being equal. Uh, so, I mean, one, I would ask you, how, in your average parish, how, how often is Gregorian chant used? Hmm. At all. Mm-hmm. You know, have we really given it pride of place? <clears throat> now, I, <clears throat> I think you can also look at a variety of other things. As I said, we've got that for him structure that we're still, most of us are still using in our parishes. Mm-hmm. From the like the first days of the the change to a vernacular, mm-hmm. but um, we could do so much more. We could use psalmody much more. I mean, the great strength of the Latin rite has always been psalmody, as I said. Uh, there are wonderful settings for the psalms in the vernacular, mm-hmm. which could, could be used at other places, like entrance, mm-hmm. or like uh, or communion, mm-hmm. or recessional, and so forth. We um, I do think that. Sometimes the music, and then this is just me, okay? This is just me, but my taste for whether music is suitably reverent for Mass or not mm-hmm. uh, is not seen in many places. You know, I mean, I frequently get, uh, my experience, you know, we, we get like waltz tunes. I mean, the waltz time, three, four time, mm-hmm. bump, 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 one, two, three, one, two, three, you know, glory and praise to our God, da 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 I mean, that, to my mind, it, it doesn't produce reverence. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a dance tune. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I think part of this is connected to our preoccupation with instruments, mm-hmm. because the mass does not require any instruments at all. Mm-hmm. For the first thousand years of existence, you couldn't use them for the mm-hmm. most part, and the Eastern Rite still frowns on their use. Mm-hmm. Now, and I think you know, if you look at the even the bishops' liturgy uh, documents on the liturgy, there's a sense in which the primary singers in the church are supposed to be the congregation, right? And then the choir assists the congregation in their job of singing the liturgy, mm-hmm. and then the instrumentalist <laughs> mm-hmm. assists the choir, right? Right. All right. Now, I do appreciate the fact that in most places, when we hire somebody to direct music, we hire an instrumentalist. Mm-hmm. And probably if you play the organ or the piano, the first thing you are not going to be thinking about is how can I do a completely a cappella that is voice only mm-hmm. liturgy? Right. 
true. And yet I do think that would be the norm. And for many of our places, like so many of our rural parishes, mm-hmm. that in fact should be something that's investigated. Right, because you, you were, uh, when you were a pastor at St. Rose in Springfield, you did this, right? Springfield, Kentucky, right. Rural Kentucky, 300 farm families. And uh, when I got there, they were asking me if they could please play CDs during weddings, mm. you know, for the wedding music. And Father I, Hayes didn't like that. I, well, I said, well, it's not Vatican II. I'm a Vatican II person. That's right. You know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm a Vatican II person. You know, absolutely not. We're going to use the natural voices. I mean, I said, you're Kentuckians for heaven's sake. You know, you sing all the time. You know, you can sing in church too. Right. You know, and not just in the shower, you know. <laughs> but um, so we started. What I did was I've, it's, I, I gave a lecture on the history of church singing, mm-hmm. uh, showing different forms. I asked the people, at, you know, I got like 30 people who showed up. Wow. Okay, rural Kentucky, the history of church singing. So at the end, I made a pitch to put together a choir, and people came. And so we taught them how to sing a cappella, you know, mm-hmm. because I didn't have an organist for, for Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we taught them how to sing a cappella, and um, I used some of our Dominican uh, music. Mm-hmm. Father Andre Guz of the Toulouse province has some very nice things. Right. There's not a lot in English, uh, but the stuff that is in English I think is, is good. And we, I taught them to sing those, which is uh, a chant a mass, but it's not Gregorian chant. It's, mm-hmm. it's his own chant, which is sort of like a little like, like Tchaikovsky East. with a Gallic lilt, you know. Does so it remind you a little bit of the Eastern Rites? A little bit ways? of Eastern Rites, yeah. yes, you know, which yeah. was sort of his inspiration. Mm-hmm. But there's many kind. you know, you got all the stuff from um, Teze mm-hmm. that's available, mm-hmm. uh, that fits, that's simple to sing, easy to remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, music which could be used much better, I think, mm-hmm. and more, uh, more provide a more reverent experience of liturgy. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because we're not there to be entertained. We're there to worship God Almighty. How awesome is this place, says Scripture. And I think that is something that the music should reflect. Right. And I remember when I, when I was in college, uh, I went to Austria as part of the Franciscan University Austria program. And I'll never forget going to the Easter Vigil at a church in uh, paris le monial mm-hmm. And there was a, kind of a, a Catholic youth um, evangelism school there. Mm-hmm. For Catholic Catholic missionaries, kind of, and they sang the Easter Vigil. It was just, it was powerful. Like this whole church, many of them young people singing these kind of chants, you know, like kind of Teze style and chants and different harmonies. They're from all different languages, yeah. But they understood because a lot of the chants were in Latin, you know, Laudate Dominum, yeah, Laudate right. Dominum, you know, uh, Praise the Lord, Praise the Lord, you know, and, right. you know, Alleluia. So, so as as the as the Easter liturgy is being celebrated. So it gives you a sense of how, and that was definitely, it was a cappella singing. It was, it was beautiful. Right. It was in harmony and the people could sing it. We, yeah. And there are real pastoral uses for uh, a liturgy that combines all the things we're talking about. You know, mm-hmm. that, for instance, uh, I remember going to Mass in Saint, at uh, the cathedral in Florence once. Mm-hmm. And of course you get tourists from all of the Catholic world, mm-hmm. Poles and Italians and Germans and French and Japanese and, you know, Congolese. And uh, Mass there was celebrated in Latin, according to the Missal of Paula VI. Mm-hmm. The readings were done five times, as I recall, once <laughs> in Latin. 
uh, for anybody who didn't speak the other four languages that mm-hmm. they were using for the various groups of pilgrims. I think we got mm-hmm. English and French, uh, Italian, of course, mm-hmm. etc. But um, it worked very well, you know, and mm-hmm. people were able to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I said, one of the things when I was a kid, you know, you could have in the same pew and you know, immigrant full Boston, you know, people who spoke Spanish or French or Italian or German or English, all together, we were worshiping together. Mm. Now we have the problem that our parishes are often split by ethnic groups. Mm. You know, so you've got Vietnamese congregations and Spanish-speaking congregations and uh, English-speaking congregations, sometimes within the same parish, who can't worship together. And for whom we have to find somebody who speaks one of their languages to have a priest who can celebrate Mass in their vernacular if we only stick to the vernacular. Right. right. So I'm just suggesting there may be more creative ways to approach mm-hmm. some of our pastoral problems using uh, the, the stuff that's already in the council documents that we, are, we have not implemented fully mm-hmm. uh, to actually make us a, a church that's more together more united, and mm-hmm. more together, not just in the sense of with those of us who are still breathing, but with the church who has gone before. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit in John 19, verse 21, nailed three languages <laughs> to the cross, you know? You know, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Mm-hmm. And those are the liturgical languages of the church to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, so as I said, it would be a shame. The other thing is, Latin is actually, I think, of the three of those, the most accessible. Mm-hmm. And if you sure. want to give it some study, mm-hmm. maybe I should do something on the parish website. Sure, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So, so these are just some ideas of of, uh, of you know, it's, it really doesn't have a whole lot to do with the motu proprio, except that perhaps one reason. Um, that there is such a divide, such, such argument, such a divide is that yeah. you know maybe the what was originally, you know, the ideas written pretty clearly in the in the Vatican Council doc, Second Vatican Council documents haven't really been fully implemented, you know, so that so that you know uh, so that it, it's what was interesting to me is is the way you read um, the, the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy, you could have a mass. That's, you know, if you had the Novus Ordo Mass in Latin with the readings in the vernacular or the homily in the vernacular That's or the right. prayer of the faithful in the vernacular, it could be it would sound for many people almost identical and I don't even know <laughs> to the extraordinary yeah. four. A lot of people – I mean many people would know the difference. But, right. But it, it wouldn't be that different. I mean so, so in other words, there isn't you – know, you know, it doesn't have to be this drastic chasm, this divide no. you know, between the two. Um, and, maybe, and maybe other than – you know, worrying about, you know, uh, which of these two liturgies to use. Why not just use the liturgy we have and do it? And do it well. Do it well. And use the all the tools that mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit has given us through the Second Vatican Council. Right. 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 So any other thoughts, Father Hayes, on, on uh, <laughs> how we could do the liturgy better? Well, as I said, I think um, we, we can explore more. Mm-hmm. Than we do. Uh, I think if uh, the Easternite has some things to teach us about right. using vernacular liturgies mm-hmm. as well. As I said, I, I detest worship aids in general. Yeah. Uh, but 
I think if we had you know certain pieces theologically splendid, mm-hmm. musically excellent, mm-hmm. which the people could commit to heart, even in parts, mm-hmm. uh, this would be an improvement for some of, in some of our liturgies, especially, as I said, having been a rural pastor myself, knowing mm-hmm. how um, hard it is sometimes to get um, to, for people to to rally around the music ministry when they don't themselves feel competent. But yes. God gave us voices. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you can speak, you should be able to sing. You can don't have to sing well. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, says mm-hmm. Scripture. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be you know, without quarter tones. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think that would be, I mean, my hope for the liturgy would to see it as something that was rich and powerful, where you know you've worshipped God and come into his company, where mm-hmm. where heaven has bowed down to earth, mm-hmm. and we have seen in our hearts some of the splendor of the new Jerusalem, heard some of the singing of the saints, mm-hmm. you know, and, and have been faithful to the word of God, which expresses itself not just in the Holy Bible, but in the living liturgy. Mm-hmm in the living liturgy. And as I said, I would like to see us all more competent in basic skills, which include things like, for Christians who need to keep the memory of Jesus alive, work on our memory skills. Mm-hmm. Okay, For those of us who are keeping a tradition of received worship from for 2,000 years, to continue to be able, at least occasionally, mm-hmm. to pray in syllables that St. Peter would have been would find intelligible, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and which has been for, until like the mid-1700s, the general language that any educated person, Mm -hmm. any educated person would be expected to speak and be able to read. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's too much in the present evil age. Right. Thank you for joining us today for the Dominican Dimensions. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I've been joined in the studio by my confrere, Father Stephen Dominic Hayes. Let's end now with prayer invoking the intercession of our holy founder, St. Dominic. O light of the church, teacher teacher of truth, truth, rose of patience, ivory of chastity, freely you have poured forth the waters of wisdom, preacher of grace, unite us to the blessed. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Dominican Dimensions is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Dominican Dimensions and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. Who better?